How you doing? Shalom, Boker Tov, or that's actually Erev Tov, that would be good evening. Uh, hi! I've always wanted to come to Calvary Chapel, Appleton, because I had a lot of friends that would go to the trouble of driving here and having a great time at the conferences, but I was usually speaking doing the fall feasts of Israel at that time, so it never worked for my schedule. So when I found out that I was going to get to come here, I thought, woohoo! Well, I should probably start in the beginning. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock, is that right? Okay. Uh, I was born in Switzerland, and you guys know about Switzerland. A lot of Swiss moved here. They actually started New Glarus and Monroe, and they have the butcher shop there and the whole Swiss village there. And it's the land of cheese and chocolate, you know and watches and all those kinds of things. My uncle was a border guard uh, during World War II, and uh, it had a lot to do with my interest in uh, that conflict, you know, the psychological, the, uh, the economic. I mean, World War II is a pretty fascinating time, right? And uh, we moved here. My parents and I moved to the States in 1960, and we landed in a little community at the time that was called St. Louis Park. St. Louis Park was called St. Jewish Park by the locals, and the high school was called Hebrew Heights. Uh, it was about half Jewish, half Lutherans, half Catholics, or two quarters, right? Anyway, uh, the only re- I loved it because there was two delicatessens uh, in one little area, and I remember one of them uh, there was like six, seven, eight languages spoken, and none of them were English. So my parents were really happy going in there, and I didn't care because it smelled great, right? And I knew I was going to get fed. And anyway, uh, I was growing up in the 60s as a little kid, and I didn't care about anything other than feed me and let me play baseball. I thought I was, I wanted to be a pro baseball player, and... Uh, I was minding my own business, and I remember in first or second grade, my teachers would say, Chris, Chris Heeb, we're going to put the Heebs over here. Okay, well, I'm a Heeb, so I'm walking over there. And all the Jewish kids would be sat around me. I, w- I became the de facto Jewish captain of the team. And remember, this is not a PC time, by the way. And uh, now, here's the interesting thing. I didn't know what a Jew was. I, I was told I was a Lutheran. I, get, I used to be a youth pastor. You know, kids are just along for the ride, right? You know, you're born, you show up, and you're, whoa, those are my parents. Uh, <laughs> whoa, I'm an anti-Semite, or my parents are, or whatever it happens to be. And... Uh, I found out I got along really well with these Jewish kids because they had names that were hard to pronounce, and uh, they, you know, cooked a lot of different things, and they usually had two generations in their home, and they were all, uh, I don't want to say refugees, but immigrants. So I was an immigrant, and we spoke Schweizerdeutsch in the home, you know. And uh, it's very hard to get a good grade in English if English is not your first language, Okay. So anyway, um, I was not planning on becoming a Christian. Uh, I was told I was born a Christian, or a Lutheran anyway. 
And uh, I found out that the Jewish people didn't like being Jewish. Uh, the Catholics probably were the most proud of being Catholic, and the Lutherans were like, hey, we're better than them because Martin Luther was a Catholic. And you know the whole stuff, right? Well, uh, remember, this is the late 60s, early 70s, and remember, everything exploded, and you were told to question everything. Uh, the sky is only blue because somebody said it was blue. It could be green for all you know. You know what I'm talking about? You questioned everything. And I went to school out of being forced to go to school. Uh, I wanted to just goof off and play sports. And, of course, my dad was not very happy because there was no such concept as playing sports for a living. You know, you, that had never existed in the world till America, okay? And uh, my grandparents were raised in World War I, where you ate potatoes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My parents were raised in World War II, where you ate potatoes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you thought that only the Irish had it bad. Okay? So potatoes go a long way. I appreciate potatoes way more now than I used to, but I'm a hash brown man myself. Anyway, uh, I remember uh, the summer of fifth grade, uh, we started to get bold, and we rode our bikes uh, into a, a neighborhood about a half a mile over. You know, because we were kind of outgrowing our neighborhood, and we wanted to play baseball or football or whatever it was with other kids. Well, uh, I usually got picked first in most of the sports I was in, but I got picked last, and I found out uh, that other neighborhoods said, well, you know, we don't play with Christ killers. Christ killers. Who's a Christ killer? What's a Christ? You know what I'm talking about here, right? We're kids. Well, you're a Jew, and I said, well, whatever that means, I mean, my... My parents say I'm Lutheran, whatever that, if that means anything. Anyway, so I found out there was a problem with Jews and Catholics and Lutherans and whatever, right? But I was told a lot of the reasons that people immigrated was they wanted to put all those issues behind, right? Wasn't that the great thing about being an American? The melting pot, right? By the way, I'm one of the few people... Uh, I think I am. I thank God every day for growing up in America. I'm going to tell you why. I mean, you know what? My first heroes, my first hero in baseball was a guy named Roberto Clemente. And if you're old enough to remember him, he was a great baseball player, but he was not Caucasian. And uh, I didn't notice that. That's one of the great things about America. You know, you're not judged by... So you got, you're a little redder, you're a little whiter, you're a little greener, who cares, right? I gotta tell you, that's a great gift. Because when you go to Europe, I mean, if you're not their nationality or their color or whatever it is, you're not as good as they are. Talk to the French about their language sometime. Anyway, uh, anyway, so I love people, I love Europe, I, you know, life is complicated, right? So I did not think I was Jewish, but I was told I was Jewish. My parents said I was Lutheran. I didn't know what that meant. But you know what? I was listening to the Beatles. And I was listening to a lot of other groups that said, peace, man, just love, smoke pot, be happy, just do whatever you want, man, okay? Worked for me. I don't even remember high school, okay? <laughs> I had a solid, solid C-D-plus average. 
looking back at it, oh, I did not know what school was for. So now I have three kids, I'm being punished for it. And uh, I teach my kids, look at school is for a reason. If you don't want to wear uh, outfits, I don't know if you've seen the tax shops now have people wearing like Gumby outfits, tax uniforms. I said, if you don't want to end up doing that, you better get a, you know, a decent grade. Anyway, you know, we were, and, and part of that time was ripping down religion. Just, hey, all religions have issues, right? I mean, certain Christians, uh, you know, eat a lot of lutefisk. Ufta, you know, I mean, it should be, lutefisk should, should be illegal, shouldn't it? Anyway, so, the Jewish Christian question uh, was a big one, and I didn't want to deal with it, and no one else I knew did either, so let's ignore it and become Baha'i. Do you know what Baha'i is? Baha'i is a religion where you get to have whatever piece of pie you want to be. You can make up your own religion, you're okay. I'm okay, you're okay. Sounds great, doesn't it? Here's the problem. If Jesus was God, it changes everything. And I remember, because I was one of those guys that when we sat at Keggers, I was almost always one of the last two, three, four people that stayed at the parties. We're laying on the roof, we're laying on the patio, whatever we are. We're looking at the stars, we're talking about God. We're talking about heaven and hell and death. By the way, the Greeks invented uh, philosophy so that they could deal with the the concept of death. Where do you go after you die? By the way, I read a lot of polls. Do you know what the three biggest fears in life are? Death, root canals, and IRS audits. Okay, I'm sorry, one more. Speaking in public. I've got over three out of four of those. Okay? My son was terrified. He had to give a four-minute speech today in, in school. And he was terrified. I said, hey, I'm going to give you a quick way to cheat on this. He goes, how do I cheat? Pretend that you have to give that test naked. And he goes, I would never do it. I'd be terrified. I said, great. You get to have your clothes on. It should be no problem now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you just have to kind of, kind of trick yourself sometimes, okay? But here's the deal. We're naked. We're naked before God. God spun the universe into existence. By the way, God's an alien. Think about it. This great alien that we've only read about, right, spins the universe, big bangs the universe into existence for his pleasure, his story. History is his story. Think about it. Okay? So, and God sends his only begotten son. Well, well, what? It sounds like Superman. Two Jewish guys in the 20s started a comic story called Supermensch. Superman. They combined Moses and they combined the Messiah. By the way, my kids and I always argue about who is the most important superhero. Superheroes. Throw some superheroes out here. I know you guys love superheroes. Name some. Okay, thank you. Okay, okay. I argue that Superman's by far the best. He's got the best clothes and cape. He can fly. And that, who's that guy, Iron Man? He needs a machine. 
right? My kids really like the Hulk. The Hulk, he's green, he's got to have really bad breath, and he's always got an anger issue. Okay? So think about it. The big cosmic story is that God sends his son down to save us from ourselves. Okay? I love talking to people that say they only believe in aliens. I said, I believe in aliens. You're a Christian. I've said, of course. This book was basically inspired by aliens. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? By the way, this is not called a Bible. That's a made-up construct. Okay? There's, it, this would be just the scriptures, the sefer. But you know what it really should have on here? God's salvation story through the Passovers. Okay? And I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you something here. So when I'm done with you tonight, you're going to be fearless with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. They both believe Jesus was created. Okay? Jesus is God. You can brush those guys aside in a big, in a heartbeat, okay? With Jews, I hate to say it. 90% of Jews are secular. They don't know anything about the Bible. Okay? And most people who are so-called Christians are cultural Christians. I get it. I was a cultural Christian until I got saved. When I got saved, I gave my parents a heart attack. And I tried to save them for 20 years, and they tried to have me arrested for 20 years. As a matter of fact, I, my mom had a rule. Chris, you have to call us before you come over, and you cannot talk about Jesus, you know. We're very good Lutherans. We don't need to become American Christians, you know. A couple thoughts here. Uh, the greatest scam that Satan ever pulled on the world is to basically uh, make us believe he doesn't exist. And that hell is not for real. We know, we know better. Okay? So I'm going to inspire you. By the way, I'm giving away a free book tonight. Make sure you take a copy and give it to somebody you hate or love or like or know or don't know. Just do it. Tell them God bless you. I've almost had never had anyone tell me to take a hike when you God bless you. By the way, you know somebody that's in a nursing home? Go talk to them about Jesus. Somebody in the hospital, go talk to them about Jesus. I find the best time to talk to people about Jesus is when they're in big hurt. Okay? Now, I hate, you know what the purpose of life is? It's to help people about Jesus. That's it. Everything that we do is basically meaningless. If you cure cancer, you can't get into heaven. If you won every Super Bowl in history, you can't get into heaven. Vince Lombardi couldn't get into heaven because of what he did. You guys know who Vince Lombardi is, right? You know, it used to be God Jr. kind of a thing. By the way, this is the only place that I know of that I can actually come out of the closet. Can I come out of the closet just for a moment? I'm a pretty shy guy, you know. And uh, when I want to make friends and influence people in Minnesota... I went to a Lutheran conference recently, 
Lutherans, Minnesota Lutherans, by the way. I wore this. I almost got stoned. <laughs> there were people that got bent out. What are you? I said, I thought you guys are forgiving, loving. Don't you want to bring me to the Lord? Not on that jersey we were not going to bring you to the Lord. Anyway, so this is the only place I can wear this. I love it. By the way, I have convenient amnesia. The Dallas Green Bay game was the Super Bowl. Okay? Right? We win. Okay. The other games that happened didn't happen. Okay. So... Getting saved. That's the whole purpose of life. You know, George Harrison and the Beatles says, until you figure out who you are, why you're here, and where you're going, you haven't begun to live. What are you willing to live for? What are you willing to die for? Okay? So let me tell you what God was willing to die for. Okay? And that's a pretty unbelievable concept. But remember, God God spins the universe into existence. And he happens to pick on a man named Abraham, Avraham. By the way, people, uh, doesn't it say, are you ready for his return? I don't think 90% of people are ready for his return. But anyway, God picks on somebody that named Abraham who is technically an Iraqi. Can you see that? But I can't eat gluten. Uh, I got permission from the artist, but I love this one because I, no one heard about gluten until 10 years ago, right? Anyway, uh, I love this one. Okay, so people get uh, fed, saved. The past is history. The future is a mystery, or as I like to say, his story. His story. Okay? How many calendars are, in, are, use in the, are at use in the world today? What's a guess? Two. Do you say two? Okay. There's 40. And only one of the calendars matter when you're reading the Bible. When you read the Bible, it's so helpful. By the way, I know that you guys actually know more than 90% of Christians that have ever been born. Okay? If you go to a Calvary Chapel, you know way more. When I go to these other places, oi, oofta. Okay. But the only calendar in the Bible is the Hebrew calendar. Jesus had a divine schedule. Uh, then God through Moses says to Pharaoh, okay, so... God invents these people. You guys know the story. You've seen the movie, what, 50 times? I love the movie. I own two different copies of it. I remember being a small boy, and something inside of me said, this story is true. I couldn't believe it. You know, I was raised on the Three Stooges and the, uh, the other stuff, right? I knew that was all make-up, make-believe, but this story had to be true. And it is the greatest story ever told, but you know what? It has two parts. Exodus Passover and Last Supper Passover. They're connected. It's a two-parter. Okay? God raises up Moses. By the way, everybody that God really uses, he drafts. Ask your pastor, ask me. There's no way I wanted to work for God. I was... Wow. But he gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. Anyway, so God raises up Moses, and, he, and he's, they're living at the time of the superpower, right? The Egyptians were the superpower of their time. And God tells Moses, we're going to get out of Dodge or Goshen, either one, right? 
And we're going to do, how are we going to do that, God? Well, I'll help you. I'll give them nine plagues and then kill off the firstborn. But you know what's very interesting? God has ten plagues. There's ten plagues. And you know what? I didn't find this out until like 20 years ago. Every one of the plagues was attacking and destroying one of the gods. Did I have the first one there? Blood. The river Nile, Hapi, was a god. The frogs was a goddess. Lice, gnats, can you believe that? They covered all the gods they could possibly think of to make sure they were appeasing everything. Uh, I've skipped through, sorry, Kefi, the flies, ugh. Uh, Apis, the bull god. We have something similar at, in Wall Street, by the way. I hate to tell you that we do worship a bull in America. America is a nation of idolaters. Okay? We worship sports. Some of us buy jerseys. Um, I just get to fantasize that I'm not almost 60 years old and in pain anymore when I put the jersey on, okay? Uh, uh, the bull god. And then we have Thoth, the god of medicine. Newt, the sky goddess, all the stars in the sky. Anubis, god of the fields, uh, locusts. Darkness. I don't know about you, I was pretty scared of the dark when I was growing up. Ra, the sun god. Boy, they worshiped the sun god. So did the, the Greeks and the Romans. And the death of the firstborn. That's where we get to this story. So God has this unbelievable story. Okay? He tells Abraham, I'm going to raise you up and you're going to be the father of great nations. You're going to be the most significant human, I think, in history. But your people are going to be in bondage for 400 years. Thanks a lot, Lord. And, but I'm going to deliver them. So what does he do? Like the Greeks, like the Romans, all the emperors, all the leaders told each other, told themselves that they were royalty, they were divine, they were God. Okay? Well, God says, I have to put an end to that. And the way we're going to do that, you know what he tells Moses? Moses, we're going to get out of Egypt. You know how we're going to do it? We're going to throw a barbecue. No, think about it. The Hebrews were considered goat herders, sheep and goat herders. They stank. Okay? They were the lowest of the low, and of course they became bricklayers, right? Or, or Pharaoh, or uh, what do they call those things? Uh, those, uh, thank you, pyramid builders. I'm convinced the Hebrews built the pyramids. That's a whole other topic. But here's the deal. This is Fluffy, by the way. And uh, Fluffy's upset because my dog, Abby, pulled an eye off. But anyway, the Egyptians had disdain and looked down upon the Hebrews. They were the lowest of the low. They're, they're our slaves. They're pathetic. They stink. By the way, who's ever been on a sheep farm? You guys ever smell sheep? They're very pungent, aren't they? I have friends that live on sheep farms. I don't care how many times they shower and wash their clothes. I was in a shower one time, and they were on the second floor, way far away from me, and I go, she's here. And I told her, I couldn't date you if you lived on a sheep farm. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? I mean, okay. They're not dirty, but they absorb. Their wool absorbs all these smells. 
Anyway, but they taste good. So uh, think about this. God tells them, Moses, we're going to have a barbecue. I want you to take a one-year-old male lamb, take it into your home, keep it for two, three, four days, and you're going to cut the throat and take the blood of the lamb, put it on the doorpost of the house, and then we're going to do a barbecue. The Egyptians had spies, okay? Remember, they've, they've been going through these really bad plagues for weeks, right? Can you imagine what they were doing there going, what are the Hebrews doing now? I think they're going to have a barbecue. Now remember, Moses would go in and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses, we've gone through that. I'm not letting you go. Okay, I'm going to... God's going to send something else, right? Now think about it. You're really bummed out. Pretend you're an Egyptian just for a moment. Your crops are dead. Your life is miserable. I mean, everything's gone real bad. And then you hear that the Hebrews are having a barbecue. That, does that make sense to you? Right? What are the odds? Does, God is going to bring down the superpower of its time through a barbecue. By the way, he's also the inventor of fast food. Think about it. What does he tell you to do? I want you to cook this barbecue. I want you to keep your sandals on, your, you know, your loins girded, and you're going to be, you're going to be re getting ready to go. We're getting out of town here. You're not doing any dishes either. All the women said, thank you. Okay. Invite everybody in, right? You invite everybody in, and anybody who wants to participate can. Can you imagine walking into that deal? What are we doing? We're getting out of town. How are we doing that? Barbecue. I mean, we don't know about the death angel. We fully don't understand that. But remember, now look at, remember what they do? Put blood on the doorpost of the house, right? You know how you can always tell Catholic baseball players? What do they do? Thank you. Look at the ladies. We're way quicker on that. Right? They're making the sign of the cross. If you're, who's painted doorposts here? Okay, one. I can't believe you guys haven't painted. You should be punished. Okay. When you're painting a doorpost, you're making the sign of the cross. Okay? See, God's a mystery writer. You guys watch those NCIS, Chattanooga, Milwaukee, whatever. I mean, how many pro? There's like 15 of those shows. Right? I grew up on Columbo. Uh, one more thing, sir. Uh, Peter Falk, a nice Jewish guy. Anyway, uh, I don't watch any of the new shows, the forensics, whatever they are, okay? Even though I did like Monk. Hey, Monk's Monk grew up over here in Green Bay. You guys knew that. What's the name? Is the, is the deli still there? The, what's it called? It's still there? Yeah, is, is, it, is his dad's store still there? Okay, I gotta go tomorrow. It's on my bucket list. Bucket list was Calvary Chapel wearing a Green Bay Packer jersey and going to Monk's grocery store. Okay. You guys know what baseball is, right? There's a thing called a curveball. I was a pitcher. Curveball. You're really good. You can throw like a four-foot bender that will scare you beyond all measure if 
if being hit by a baseball bothers you. They really hurt. They still hurt. Okay. God throws curves all the time in the Bible. The Bible's three-fourths of a million words. He could have cut this way down. He didn't want to. But I'm telling you the most important stories. It's the Passovers. By the way, I got two very close ultra-Orthodox friends, and when I talk to them, I make sure none of their Jewish friends are in there, and we start talking like this. And they always say, we have to talk to our rabbi about it. It's very painful. When we talk about the Exodus Passover, some of the greatest rabbis in history don't even know if it literally happened. They said it doesn't matter. And I said, if it doesn't, if it didn't happen, it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? But I think that Christians don't realize how cool this is. Okay? So the first Exodus, the first Passover, the death angel comes through and changes everything. Okay? So do you understand the three most important meals in your life? First course is Passover. God word speak. God's word speaks of three deliverance meals. Exodus, Passover, Passover, Last Supper, and the marriage supper of the Lamb. Ladies, you're really going to really love this one. You won't have to cook or clean. Right? I mean, that's huge. Let me tell you. Okay. So, the lambs were prepared for slaughter on the 14th day of the first month of the Hebrew calendar. I don't know about you, if I had to kill my food, I would be a vegetarian. Except for fish, I can't kill. I mean, there's just no chance. But anyway, I want to tell you something very interesting, and that is, and I'm going to get to it in just a second. Okay, Exodus. The Exodus was for the 12 tribes, the children of Israel, and for anyone that would participate. It was physical salvation. It wasn't spiritual. There was three elements at that Passover, lamb, matzah, and the bitter herb, Okay? Passover Exodus was phase one of God's deliverance, redemption meals. Now, unleavened bread. Do you know the day that when Jesus is put in the tomb, he's put in the tomb on unleavened bread? Which we're going to talk about that here in just a second. The Passover lamb... 1,500 years later, shows up as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want to talk to you about Cousin John. You guys know Cousin John the Baptist, right? Jesus and him were cousins. Now I want to tell you why John the Baptist would not be led into most churches. He probably had flies buzzing around him. He didn't comb his hair. He was very sticky. He ate a lot of honeycomb and grasshoppers. I bet he had grasshoppers crawling out of his pockets. I bet he had grasshopper legs in his beard. Okay? And if you're in water a lot and you're constantly throwing on camel skins, that can be pretty gamey. John's not getting in most churches, okay? That's okay. Jesus said he's the greatest man ever born of a woman. Very high praise, isn't it? So John, what does John say to his cuz? I wish he would have said, hey cuz, what's happening? He said, behold, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If I would have been there, it would have gone over my head. I would have looked for a sheep herder. I would have looked for sheep. He's talking to a, a man. You understand? This is where God throws a curve, right? He used a lamb in the first Passover, but he uses a man in the second Passover. Okay, the Last Supper. What a meal that was. They would have sat around a very short table, which was almost an inverted door frame, which is called the triclinium. Okay, and uh, Miriam was so kind to get pillows. In today's Passover, it's three to four, five hours of sitting around dealing with Passover, and you you need pillows. The kids are falling asleep if they're not too hopped up on sugar, but. At that Passover, there was only men present. And this is what we're going to get into now, which we take for granted. Now, we're going to do something simultaneously. First of all, the woman in the home, in a modern Orthodox Jewish home. Are these trick matches? Let me try these. Come on. Okay, remember it said Jesus was the light of the world? You know what? A woman is supposed to light these anyway. That's the reason it didn't work. Thank you. Be so kind. Thank you very much. Let there be light. This is to symbol the light of the world and at creation. And of course, uh, in the case of the Lord, uh, Miriam brought the light of the world into the world. By the way, do you guys know, and you guys know this uh, with a kindergarten, if there's no light, there's no life. Period. Right? I have to deal, I've, been, I've debated a lot of people, and you wouldn't believe the nonsensicalness of so many over-educated people. So you'd be at the home, at a Jewish home, Orthodox Jewish home, every Friday night, you celebrate the Passover in an Orthodox Jewish home. As a matter of fact, you have Elijah. You put a place at your table for Elijah. Now this is actually the head the foam head of uh, King David. Michelangelo made this. It's the most famous uh, sculpture in the world. It's in Milan, Italy, and I stole it. <laughs> Actually, I bought it on sale at a garden store. And I made him into Elijah. Now, here's what's interesting. Do you remember the number one question the Jews asked Jesus and John? Are you Elijah? Right? No, we're not Elijah. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples? Curveball coming. By the way, if you can handle it, John is a type of Elijah. Okay? Now what's interesting is, do you remember who showed up at the Mount of Transfiguration? Who? Moses and Elijah. Now I got a question for you. How did... Peter, James, and John, how did they know the names of Moses and Elijah? Did they have name tags? You see, who said yes? You did. Okay, that settles it. I've, I've been thinking about it for 40 years. You just solved it. Uh, Mount of Transfiguration. See, I think these guys are coming back to the earth again in physical bodies, and I'm going to tell you about it in a few minutes. 
But if you were in an Orthodox Jewish home, Friday night or at Passover, this is what would happen. There'd be three of these huge, saltine-looking crackers. If you notice them, they have a very interesting kind of bumpy texture. They're slightly burned and they have holes in them. And the rabbi or uncle or dad, the male of the home, would take the middle one and break it. And he'd take a part of it and he would put it in a white, has to be a white, linen napkin. And he would kind of hide it. The parents didn't care, but the kids, you see, there's a reward for the children later if they can find this. Not too hidden. Doesn't make, you're going to hide a big saltine cracker for what? Right? You know what I'm talking about here? Doesn't make sense to me. There's a lot of things in the Bible that don't make sense, by the way. But it's God's plan. He throws stuff at us all the time. He doesn't want us to understand it. He wants us to trust Him. Okay? So, you would start out with the candles. And, by the way, this is this famous Pesach, Passover plate. And this is used to teach all the things that could go on it, like the matzah, like the roasted egg. I have an issue with this because it was a part of the Babylonian experience. Can I tell you about what we got from the Babylonians? Easter bunnies and eggs. We They used to sacrifice pigs to the Babylonian fertility goddess named Ishtar. And they would pour blood over the eggs and they would dry and they were given to the women that were trying to conceive. Either if they were barren or they just wanted to have more kids. Okay? The, I, don't, I don't really have a problem. If you're a pagan, it works for me. The problem is it was dragged into the Bible story, which it's not in the Bible. Does that make sense? Okay. So, you would have roast, you would have... There would always be some kind of greenery with. And I actually, this is interesting. It's symbolic of the hyssop. Now, it's interesting. Hyssop. Remember Joshua and the others, they would have taken hit the blood, dipped it in the lamb's blood, and used hyssop to do the doorpost of the house. Right? And then, um, in the original, in the first story, there's only three implements in the Exodus story. A bitter herb unleavened bread, and roasted lamb. This is the symbol, a shank bone of a, ro- a lamb, roasted lamb. Well, here's horseradish, by the way, and this is called... See, the Jews said that they invented uh, natural remedies. This would be like Jewish dristan. Horseradish. If you can't smell, we'll test it. I know paramedics that said to me, when they ran out of smelling salts, they thought about using something like this. Because if you can breathe this and not wake up, you're probably dead. Anyway, there's a beautiful thing here that's used now. It's supposed to look like, and, and Mary did a great job, it's supposed to kind of look like mortar, brick mortar. It was made out of straw, and it's an embellishment. It's shredded apples and, and grape juice and... Uh, and walnuts, it's, it's awesome. So if you alternate, actually, 
what I love to do around Passover time is I take horseradish and I take this and I make a sandwich out of it. I actually love it. Is it an acquired taste? Sure. Is Ludic Fisk an acquired taste? Sure. Okay, so, so what would have happened? The rabbi and Jesus would have said this. They would have done a very similar blessing. They would have said, Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam b'rei peri hagafen. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit of the vine. And he would have, this would have been the, this is the Kiddush cup, and it's the, it's the initiation and the beginning of the whole, uh, story. Now, there was no wine in the Exodus Passover story. Okay? Jesus and the disciples are relaxing. Even though they're in Roman bondage, they came from Egyptian bondage, they're still relaxing. It's a very different environment. But I'm convinced, and I'm allowed to upset your apple cart, right? There's no chance Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Because if he came in on Palm Sunday, or the first day of the week, because there's no Palm Sundays, there was Palm Days when there was uh, executives and, and famous people would come to cities, they would pull out the palm branches. But what happened a couple days earlier, Jesus raised Lazarus. And you think a story that happened three miles. Beth Page is three miles over the hill, about a mile up to the corner of the Mount of Olives and two miles to Beth Page. I think dozens of people ran screaming into Jerusalem to tell the world, Jesus just raised Lazarus. And Lazarus was dead for four days. You think that story got around? How many people live in Appleton? 70,000. Well, if I have some friends that grew up in small towns, three, four, five, six hundred. I've been told that if somebody breaks their toe at eight in the morning, everyone in town will know by eight o'clock that night that you broke your toe. If someone is getting married or someone died, I mean, by lunchtime, you want to find out what's going on, you go to the diner, right? You don't think when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead that that was not like topic A for 24, 48, you know, 72 hours, whatever. So when the, this guy comes over a hill on a donkey, they start going nuts. He's here. Hosanna. Save us now. You know, redeem us now. Do it. If I'm a corrupt high priest or I'm a corrupt Roman Guard, I am starting to get worried. Right? I mean, the people are behind this guy. And the noise is building. You know, the Mount of Olives is almost amphitheater-ish. Almost. You know, it's a valley. Of course, the Kidron's at the bottom, and it, it buffets up against the, the Temple Mount Hill there. And Jesus, where does He go? Straight into the Temple. Why? It's Lamb Selection Day. He is fulfilling the Scriptures. So he goes to the priest and shows himself. They get in a big conflict. Do you remember what he says to them? You're whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. You shall not see me again 
until in the kingdom or something along that lines. Right? You will not see me again. Now, he never presented himself after his resurrection at the temple. He didn't. I think he was alluding to when he comes back in glory. Okay? So, he's Orthodox Jews, the second cup, they, would, they don't drink the second cup. They would pour this out. And they would be going over all of the, the curses, flies, gnats, uh, the Nile. They would keep on doing this, okay? So they don't drink it. It was the cup of curses. Jesus took all the curses, right? He didn't get rid of mosquitoes, but he got rid of curses for the, okay? He did. So, what happens? We're, we're most familiar with the third cup, okay? It's the cup of redemption. Okay? So, this is where we always do communion. So, Here's what's a really cool thing. You could make a case that this is very similar to the wedding engagement betrothal process in the ancient Near East or the Jewish wedding. The father and the son would go to the bride, the potential bride, and the parent. And they would negotiate the bride price. Okay? And if the bride agrees, she would take the cup. Some, some books say that she would take a piece of bread, matzah, something like that, eat it, and drink the cup. They're engaged. They're man and wife in every way except for making babies. Okay? Now, Jesus is the bridegroom of the church, right? So that's a, that's a, you know, that adds another curve to this whole story. Because he says in, uh, boy, Matthew, I want to say 5, 7 and 5, 17 and 18, um, you know, I've, I've not come to do away with the law. I've come to fulfill the Torah and the prophets. Every jot, every tittle, every punctuation mark, right? He's going to fulfill. So the entire Word of God is divine. Hard to believe, isn't it? If you don't remember anything else that I tell you tonight, I want you to remember this. Nothing in the Bible has ever been disproved. Is that radical? Nothing in the Bible has ever been disproved, and guess what? Nothing in the Bible will ever be disproved. Someone handed me a Hal Lindsey book in 1977 or 78 and says, hey, take a shot at that thing. That book freaked me out. Hal Lindsey talked like the Bible was real and it was historical and it was prophetic. I mean, I was blown away. I thought the Bible was mythology. Right? Mythology. Walking on water, raising the dead. You know, that kind of thing. Right? C.S. Lewis. We love Jack Lewis, right? Narnia, all that stuff. Remember, he tried to throw people the curve and teach them about God and redemption through the Narnia stories, right? 
What's, what's the lion's name in Narnia? Aslan. It's Arabic for lion. Who's the lion of the tribe of Judah? The Lord. Revelation 5 5, right? So C.S. Lewis tried to teach us, you know, in, in our, our modern perspective of the biblical story good against evil. He was best friends with J.R. Tolkien. Good against evil, right? So, but the Passover, you can't get saved. You can't get physically saved in the Old Testament without participating in the Passover. Pesach. Passing over. The death angel is passing over us because of the blood of the Lamb. The disciples are sitting down with Jesus having this meal. By the way, I don't think they had lamb at that meal. It doesn't say anywhere it does. You know, they were basically vegetarians in those days. They were living, the Galileans were living large because they were living up near the fish. Right? But Jesus was the lamb. They didn't get it. I wouldn't have got it. Okay? But Jesus has got to do all this stuff. So that's kind of, I don't know if you can see that or not. It's kind of like it would have, would have been. Probable seating. By the way, I'm on a board of archaeology stuff and we will get together and make you sick because we will argue about a jot or a tittle or a seating arrangement at the Last Supper. Most conservative historians are convinced it would have been left to right in this case, right? John, Jesus, Judas, we're not sure about the other ones, but we're convinced Peter was over in the lower corner sulking. Okay? And uh, so, the Tau. Those were the three most common execution methods in the Roman world. It was the Tau. It's the Greek letter for cross. It's Tav in Hebrew. By the way, that thing above his head is called a titleist. A title list. If you guys follow golf at all, they stole that from... The, the Titleist company uses that. Because when you go to golf tournaments, you will see a, a, a kid usually will walk around with the title list. Right? Who it is, you know, what's their score. What did Pilate do? Most of them wouldn't have had a title list. Pilate put what up? Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews in three languages. Do you remember when Pilate got back in from out of town, what happened? His wife says, Honey, you won't believe it. I had this crazy dream that you're going to be judging a Jewish holy man. Whoa. When my wife was pregnant three times, she had the most wacky Dreams. I just disregarded them. I'm sure Pilate did too. Until there was a knock at the door. Pilate, we got an emergency. You got a rule on this Jewish holy man. I bet he looked at his wife going out the door and she says, I told you so. <laughs> right? That's what wives do. They're really good at it. They're really the voice of the Lord. <laughs> right, ladies? You're right about 90% of the time. So, the Tau. Second course, unleavened bread, the burial. 
Off he come and here's the word. Okay, it's so ironic. This is God throwing curves again. In the Jewish world, synagogue is Greek for congregation, for for really building structure. Okay, synagogue. This is the most fascinating word, in my opinion, in all of biblical history. Afikomen. It's Greek. If you read Orthodox Jewish literature, they call it dessert or after-dinner appetizer, or something like that. Well, if you've ever had it, it ain't dessert. Right? The first time I was ever at a meal, I was waiting. Dessert, all right, I'm looking for pie. Right? Cake, cookies, a lot of things, right? Afikomen, dessert. I've sat down and hashed this out with Greek teachers. It either means I have already come or I've come. The rabbis will argue till they're blue in the face. It does not represent that at all. I'm convinced, by the way, in case you didn't know, God is going to merge the Jewish 12, lost 12 tribes. They're not lost to Him. They're lost spiritually. Jerry Seinfeld, Goldie Hawn. I could just rattle off a whole bunch of Jews. You know what most of them call themselves? Jubus. Jewish Buddhists. Buddhists don't believe in God. You're a part of the universe. Whatever, right? It's so sad for me to meet a Jew, and I met one at the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters, about 70 years old from L.A. He was hired to take pictures of the whole event. And I forget, his name was Cohen. And he was 70 years old, and he had like three cameras on, and I said, bro, where are you from? He goes, L.A. I said, all right, L.A. And I said, you're a Jew? And he goes, yeah, what about it? Wow, dude, you got the greatest history of all time. He goes, save it. I said, save it? We should talk about this. He goes, I have no interest in talking to you or anyone else about my Bible. I said, you, are you, I said, are you for real? He goes, yeah. He goes, religion was made up by man. God was made up by man. You know what? I couldn't believe, I felt so bad for him that he's a part of the greatest history in the world. He's even a priest. You know, if you're a Cohen, when you are out of town, if you're a serious practicing Jew and you're a Cohen, you have to check in with every synagogue within that township and tell them that you're in town. That you're a Cohen. That there's a Cohen in town. That you're related, of course, to Moses and Aaron. Okay? You're expected to be at synagogue Saturday morning and read the Torah for the people. That's a pretty big obligation, isn't it? This guy wasn't interested in anything. 
being Jewish, Paul Newman, who had a Jewish, I don't remember if Paul Newman had a Jewish father, Jewish mother, and then he had a non-Jewish other parent. They asked him, what are you? And he says, I'm Jewish. And they asked him why. And most of you guys know who Paul Newman is, right? Uh, Sundance, Bill, uh, Butch and Sundance, he said, I'm Jewish because it's harder. I want to do something that's harder, that means more to him. By the way, have you noticed all his stuff at the grocery stores? Do you know that his nonprofit, and remember they've never taken a penny, has given over $300 million to charity? i got to tell you, if you could earn heaven, there's a Jew that did something that mattered. You know what I'm saying? You can't earn heaven, right? By the way, I have talked to tens of thousands of people. You know what I can't believe I'm going to tell you? I ask people, are you going to go to heaven? You know what the most common answer is? I hope so. What do you mean you hope so? I hope I'm good enough. Oh my Lord! How could you grow up in America and not know you're not good enough? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's guys on television that never talk about sin, judgment, hell, consequences, etc. I mean, there's a lot of false teachers, and I really appreciate you guys teaching about that. Afi Coleman, I've already come. You want to get in a conversation with a Jew and freak him out? Excuse me, are you Jewish? Yeah. Tell me about Afi Coleman. What's to tell? It's some kind of cracker thing. Really? But the Greek teaches it means I've, I've already come. Jesus didn't talk about Afi Komen. It's amazing. Remember God's a curveball pitcher? That's the term that's been used for about 1900 years. What is a Greek word being used in a Jewish Passover? And then what are we doing as Christians making those little styrofoam thingies? I always say, if you're going to do communion, break the, break the stuff. It's supposed to symbolize Jesus. There's no lamb. No religious Jews roast a lamb. They can't. There's no temple to make a sacrifice at. They've replaced the lamb with this cracker. They don't get it. I don't get it. But I get it. You know what I'm saying here? They sacrifice chickens, primarily. Probably because Peter was betrayed by some chickens, right? Or a rooster, right? I got four chickens at home, by the way. My wife had to have them because she wanted to be like Little House on the Prairie. And one of them, her, one of her favorite chickens got injured last year and it had to be put down. And I came home, and my wife hands me a hatchet. What am I doing? What do I want a hatchet for? She goes, you got to put Ruthie down. I'm going to put Ruthie down? I'm not killing your chicken. I talked to that chicken. I can actually talk chicken. I'm not kidding. I can talk sheep, goat. You don't even want to know about it. But uh, I didn't kill the chicken. I would be a vegetarian. Third course, first fruits. Jesus was raised on first fruits. And remember what happened on first fruits? By the way, unbelievable. I love this slide. 
And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of their graves. After his resurrection, they went into the holiest city and appeared to many. Can you imagine? And Jerusalem would have been about 150,000 people at the time of the Passover, okay? It was usually around 75,000 in the first century, just the way it was. Your friends and relatives are being raised from the dead. Do you think that would get your attention? That's what this scripture says. Right? Six or seven years later, I can't remember the emperor's name. I'm sorry. I have some sinus stuff kind of going on now. The emperor wrote a death warning. Remember when you wrote a a decree in those days, it wasn't on Xerox paper. You had to chisel it up. Okay? And you chiseled it in usually Greek. Okay? And you can look it up on Google. And my good friend, uh, Dr. Clyde Billington, was the one that deciphered it. It basically said, there's a death warning penalty to anyone that messes with a Jewish grave. It took six years. You want to talk about red tape? But think about it. There was so much agitation by the rabbinical community. They were convinced that the disciples or followers of Jesus went around and were either raising people from the dead through demonic power or they were just causing problems. What does that say there? Many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and came out of graves. You had Lazarus a week earlier. Who'd like to interview Lazarus, by the way? I'd love to interview him. Dude, where were you? Were you in a waiting room? Did you have brownies? Uh, What were you doing? Okay? A third of the Gospels is the last week of the Lord's life. Do you know that the Jews think that we have little to nothing in common? And I could be wrong, but I think most Christians think we have little to nothing in common. They're celebrating for 2,500, I'm sorry, is it 3,500? I'm sorry, brain block. 3,500 years, they're celebrating the Exodus Passover. Their physical redemption meal. For 2,000 years, more or less, we have been celebrating the first century Passover. And Jesus says, after the third cup, I will not drink this cup with you again until we do it together in my Father's kingdom. Really? Where's that? I'm going to skip past that because, of course, that's the 
fourth spring holiday, holy day, that's where we get holiday. The third deliverance meal will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. If you are saved, you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb, you've given your heart, Jesus died for you, you are have a wedding dinner to go to, okay? And Jesus is going to host it. I'm going to be very interested what's at that meal. I think they'll have Twinkies. You think we're going to have lamb? Remember, you can't have lamb you, because there was no temple. There was no way to sa- have a blessing of a priest. I think we're going to have lamb. I don't know what else is going to be on the menu. I know that the groom, the bridegroom, the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the Creator of the universe is going to host it. The cup of praise. The fourth cup, which we really don't participate in, is the cup of Judah. How do you say praise in Hebrew? Yehuda. Yehuda. What's the most famous Hebrew word in history? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Any language is right. Hallelujah. So, the cup of praise. The cup of Judah. Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh, and this gets good. The marriage supper of the Lamb. You remember, we're going to get white. We're going to get white wedding outfits that can't get dirty, by the way. You can spill on them all you want. And, and the angel said, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. Now, I want you to think how cool this is. In Revelation 21-27, But there shall be by no means enter in anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written, it should be names, are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you were to go to synagogue, and I go to synagogue to sit in the back to listen to the Jews. When they read the Hebrew, they don't even know what they're reading. On Yom Kippur, on the Day of Atonement, if a good Jew, you're not even allowed to chew gum. You're not allowed to have tasty saliva. Okay? You're begging God. I want to tell you how hard it would be to be a Jew. You're begging God, if you're conscious enough and mature enough to understand, you're begging God for one more year. If you die on the Day of Atonement, it's looked upon as real bad. You don't want to die. You might be just saying, Lord, just don't let me die today. Okay? Because everyone will remember that you died on the Day of Atonement. And people will be talking about you for generations, okay? But when you read it in Hebrew and you read the Siddur, the Jewish prayer book in Hebrew, I listen to the Jews saying, oh, Lord, they're, you know, they're, they're wailing, they're crying, they're begging God, and they're saying, they're reading in the Hebrew and it says, Adonai, Adonai, Yeshua, 
Yeshua, Yeshua. They're saying the name of Jesus in Hebrew. And they don't get it. If your name's not written in the Lamb's book of life, and by the way, in atonement, they're begging God to be written into the book of life, not the Lamb's book. They don't even know about the Lamb's book of life. They believe that when God, on that one day, He opens up the book of life and the book of death. And that God is supposedly going to figure out who's going to be dying in the coming year. And taking your name out of the book of life and putting it into the book of death. You and I know, we have the teacher's edition. We got written into the Lamb's book of life. How cool is that? I mean, i got to tell you, I think a lot about the millennium. I think about not having aches and pains. I think about maybe getting my hair back. Um, I think about being in total joy at all times. I don't know about you kids. You kids remember Saturday morning, the best morning of the week? Come on. Saturday morning is the best morning of the week? Cartoons? You get you can get up without feeling tired? Oh my Lord, these guys are... I remember Saturday morning, I used to get up and go, woohoo! 5.30, 6 o'clock, I was down there watching cartoons. Monday morning, though. And my mom would say, how can you get up, Chris? How can you get up at 5.30 for cartoons and not get up at 8.30 for school? I didn't want to. We're going to have so much energy. We're going to have so much joy. And you know what? We're going to be praising the Lamb of God. So when you do communion, I ask you to do something. Remember what you're doing. Remember that the Jews don't know what they're doing. That they're taking the cup and they're taking the unleavened bread. They're doing communion and they don't even get it. You know how nuts that is? Do you understand that? Does my uncle told me a story about in the Holocaust. He was a border guard. He said he heard that, you know, when the Jews, the religious Jews, were going to die, that they would hold hands and they would recite their version of the Lord's Prayer, which is in Deuteronomy 6, 6 4. You guys know it, right? Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kavod Mavuto, Leolam Vayed. That's what they would be praying. Do you know what the Christians were doing as they were dying? They were doing the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6. Do you know what Matthew's real name was? Or what his nickname was? Levi. He was a priest. He was so hated because he was a Kohen. He should have been working at the temple 
but instead he's working for the Romans, ripping us off. The Jews are praying their Lord's Prayer. The Gentiles were praying our Lord's Prayer. I have a prayer. I pray that God accepted the prayer that they understood because they were supposedly being killed by Christians, Catholics, and Lutherans. I get excited about Passover. Uh, a man that I can't hold a candle to, he was raised an Orthodox Jew, his name was Earl Warner. He used to average doing about 100 Passovers a year. And people would say to him, why would you do the Passover when it wasn't Passover? Because, and he would say, because I want people to know that you can't get saved if you don't participate in Passover. And when you drink the cup and you take that broken bread, by the way, in an Orthodox home, at the very end of the night, usually 11, 11, 30, 12, he'd ask the children to find the afikomen. He would get it. And the rabbi or the uncle or the dad would start doing this. He'd break it all up. And he goes, no one's leaving this home until you have the afikomen. And everyone would get a piece, and everyone would get some grape juice, and he'd say a prayer, blessing God, thanking God for the wine and the unleavened bread. And they would talk about next year in Jerusalem, they would be having the Passover with the Messiah. Right after that, there's an agreement with the other adults where one of the adults would knock on a wall. The kids would jump up and they would run towards either the front or the back doors. What are they looking for? They would hope that Elijah had come to do away with their suffering. No one ever caught Elijah. Well, I, I think I heard that your pastor, didn't you guys recently finish the book of Revelation? Just starting, and I'm sorry. I don't want to give something away, but probably one of my favorite, one of my favorite chapters is Revelation 11. And there's a little bit of debate on it, but there's two witnesses that come down from heaven. You notice what they're wearing? Sackcloth. I know what that is because my parents would buy two to three bags of potatoes every fall. And we would dump them out and cut arms out and we'd use it as kind of like warrior get-ups. Now, if you've ever noticed, sackcloth is fairly uncomfortable. Right? 
These guys are wearing sackcloth. What else do we know about them? They don't have cell phones. They were not wearing Nikes. They don't have any money. They have no identification. They only speak Hebrew. You know what that definition is? I have a good friend who's a police officer. If you have no money, no identification, no communication, you're considered a derelict. They're going to haul you into the station. What happens when the police try to haul the Lord's witnesses into the station? Have you read that part? The only reason I want to be on earth is to be sitting in a lawn chair at the Temple Mount watching this interview. Here's what's going to happen. Allow me. These guys are going to show up. They're going to look weird. People are going to think they're doing some kind of heavy metal video. Okay? And they're going to say, it says the Lord sends them down. And that they have the power to shut up the sky. They have the power to stop the rain. They have power to do plagues and smite the earth. And when they're finished, their testimony, that it talks about that the beast will get to overtake them. But they're going to be witnessing for three and a half years. This is what I think happens within 48 to 72 hours of these guys showing up. A thousand journalists are going to fly into Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. They're going to make a beeline up there, right? They're going to be sticking microphones into the faces of these guys that can't speak English. And they're going to be very narrow-minded, aren't they? What are you here for? We're going to tell you about the judgment of the Lord. The Lord is going to judge all of you. You're all pathetic he calls Israel Sodom and Egypt. Tel Aviv is the homosexual capital of the Middle East. How do you think that message is going to go over? Not too well, right? A third, it implies in Zechariah, a third of them will receive it. At the three and a half year point, it's very fascinating it says that the beast will be allowed to kill them. What happens after that? You guys know when people get killed in real life, we usually try to scoop them up or cover them up within minutes, right? They are laid out, spread out. CNN, Fox News, BBC is going to be showing you pictures of these guys. I don't know how they're going to be killed. I'm convinced it's going to be bloody. For three and a half days. Now, you know what happens after about a day of a dead person? The bugs start to... Now, what happens in the world? It says here the world throws a party. The whole world is going to make Jeff Bezos a lot richer. Because they're going to be sending gifts all over the world. By the way, Jeff Bezos is a Jew. If you would have told me 20 years ago that you're going to make a lot of money by shipping stuff and become the richest guy in the world, I would have said you're crazy. He's going to be worth probably $100 million by the end of this year. Shipping packages. Sorry. The world is going to ship packages. Woohoo! They're dead. Remember the ding dong, the witch is dead. Remember that deal? 
all the leprechauns, whatever they are, and they're pretty darn happy. The world is going to go nuts. What happens at three and a half days? Oh, my Lord. Do you guys ever watch Sven Gulli? He's that little Jewish guy in Chicago who has that really goofy horror show. Has rubber chickens thrown at him. What's the world going to do? This is going to be the front page story 24-7, 365 for three and a half years. When they're killed, everyone's going to go, all right, we were sick of those guys. They were telling us that we were pathetic. That you can't be trisexual. Quadsexual. Or whatever. Right? I mean, we're making up a ton of rules all the times that I have no idea what they are. By the way, last year, Facebook, uh, they were threatened to be sued because there was only, only two gender definitions. So the, 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 the executives got together and gave them other. Other works for me. It covers leprechauns, aliens, whatever you could come up with, right? It wasn't enough. I think they came up eventually with 52 or 3 different other alternatives. Now, I almost failed school. But I know from walking around the world, there's only mommy ducks and daddy ducks. There's no other genders in the animal world. Okay? And we're being pushed around by a half of 1% of the population telling us you need to have a lot more genders. It's an insult to God. I'm convinced one of the reasons those guys are going to go to ground zero, Jerusalem is the navel of the universe, okay? Ground zero is the Temple Mount and the Western Wall area. They are going to be reading the riot act to all those liberal journalists that hate the Bible. Okay? How's that going to go? I think the journalists are going to watch those guys being fed by airmail by birds that will be stealing food off of other people's tables. I'd, I'd love it, right? Didn't Elijah get fed by ravens or whatever they were, right? Right? If they want it to rain, they want to take a shower, I think they're going to have a, cl a cloud hover over them and it's go, okay. And they're going to get wet. Then they want to dry, they're going to have the sun come out and pop and dry them out. That's the only reason I want to be here. I'm 98.5% sure we're not here. Okay? And it's not only wishful thinking. But as soon as I get up there, Lord, can I get a video monitor over here? I want to watch this. Can you give me about three and a half years of Starbucks and nachos? I mean, you know what I'm getting at? I want to watch this. Right? I want to see the world go nuts when these guys read them reality. It's going to be pretty cool stuff. So, 
Nothing in the Bible has ever been disproved, right? Nothing in the Bible will ever be disproved, right? The Bible's not a real name. So how did you like my name? God's salvation story through the two Passovers. Or the blood of the Lamb. You know what I'm saying here? The two Passovers and the blood of the Lamb. That's it. I don't care if you memorize the rest of the Bible. You don't know those two stories, you don't get it. Right? The Lamb of God. It's the blood of the Lamb that saves us. Abba Father, I praise You and thank You for the privilege of being here at Calvary Chapel in Appleton, Wisconsin. I'm taking it off my bucket list. I thank You for the privilege of being here with my brothers and sisters in Yeshua the Messiah. I thank You that I had a chance to tell them about the way I look at this story and that Elijah is coming. And that in about a week and a half, the Jews will be praying and begging for the Lord to send Elijah. The problem is, when he does come, it's going to be the tribulation. And then you will give them their last chance at salvation believing in their Messiah, Yeshua. Lord, what a privilege it is for us to know the true story. We ask You to continuously bless this congregation for all the work they've been doing for the kingdom and to bless the staff here. This place is hated by the kingdom of darkness. But God knows well what you guys have been doing here for decades. Teaching the truth, line by line, that Jesus is the only way. He's God in the flesh, and He's physically coming again. That's right, physically coming again, not spiritually. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Anointing, the Mount of Mashiach. His name in Hebrew is Mashiach. It means anointing. He will land on the Mount of Anointing and change the world again and set up His kingdom on the Temple Mount for a thousand years. What a privilege it is that we have to know that. In the matchless name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Amen. I deputize all of you to become radical, fearless, lamb Passover tellers. You're not going to be wrong. You'll do it with a smile. I got a bunch of free books out there for you to use. You want brownie points from the Lord? I do. Right? You want to put a smile on his face? I do. I mean, there's no greater privilege than putting a smile on the Lord's face. And there's many ways to do that, but telling others about Him is about pretty... Isn't that the great commission? I have to tell you, most churches I know of, it's the great omission. i got to tell you, I, how many churches visit you guys ever? 
It's not about being a part of a denomination. Right? There's no denominations in the Bible. Those are fighting words. Right? I, I ran into so many people, you know what they think? There's a Catholic part of heaven. There's a Lutheran part of heaven. There's a Methodist. You know what I'm talking about here? There's no such thing. We have been sold a bill of goods. So, I challenge you to go to a nursing home, a shelter, a hospital, someplace, and you will have no idea. You want to get rid of your problems? You go to places that have problems worse than you. You're going to get an injection of the greatest feeling there you could possibly have. And that's praying for and sharing Jesus with someone else. I mean, that's the greatest high that there is. And your pastor and I separately tried to get as high as we could get. And we thought, I once thought I was going to float out into the universe. I came crashing down. The Lord picked me up. And the rest is his story. You guys can all have a part of that story, right? And it can be saving your family, your next-door neighbors, somebody, anybody, just on a bus at a convenience store, you name it. I, I'm in trouble all day. I'm talking to people all day. And if they tell you to go to hell, you, you know what you're going to say to them? Oh, so you believe in hell. Uh, maybe, yes, okay. I believe in hell. I for sure believe in hell. I mean, I know there's a hell. And that's why I look like a fool to you, because I'm willing to tell you you don't have to go there if you don't want. 